Welcome to episode 149 of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Schlag. Today, I sit down with mindset expert, Dr. Casey Orvitas. We talk about the science of willpower, the interplay between stress and self-control, and managing your mindset around stress and self-control. If you have ever bemoaned your lack of willpower, this is the episode for you. Let's go. Hello, hello. Today on the podcast, I actually have a teacher of mine with us today. I actually just passed my final in her health mindset coaching certification, which is an incredible program for coaches because a coach could give somebody perfect. I'm putting that in air quotes here. I'm perfect macros, like the most optimized workout program. But if that coach can't help their client through the behavior change process effectively, that person's not going to be successful or they're not going to be able to be as successful long-term. And that's what Casey's program, HMCC, helps coaches do. Casey Casey Orvitas is the founder and CEO of KJO Coaching, a personal trainer, nutrition, nutrition coach, and she has her PhD in psychology where she specialized in mindset. Welcome, welcome, Casey. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. Absolutely. So did I miss anything important there in your intro? I don't think so. That was pretty thorough. Makes me feel pretty good about myself. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. As every intro should. So tell us a little bit more about you outside of that stuff. Like, tell us more about you, like, personally, like, what do you love? What makes you, you, that kind of stuff? Where are you from? Yeah. Yeah. As I kind of told you, we had this conversation off air right before because my middle name is Joe and a lot of like everything that I've sort of branded. And to be honest, like this dates back to like my first, like not my first Instagram account. It's my current Instagram account, but I renamed it. Um, but I was Casey Joe Eatswell before I was anything else. And I was just basically posting photos of food all the time. Then I started to like dabble into workout selfies and things like that, you know, circle like 2013 at this point. Um, But when I decided to go full time into my business, I was like, you know, Casey Joe Eastwell just like does not work anymore for what I'm doing. So I swapped it for coach Casey Joe. Um, So, but with that said, I've just been Casey Joe. I'm not Southern because that's like, obviously where people are kind of their heads go with that is like the double name thing. Um, But I'm actually from Minnesota. So I grew up in Minnesota. Um, I did my undergraduate degree degrees technically um, at the University of Minnesota. And that was in psychology and sociology. Um, And I got a minor in public health. I like forget about that. Do people ever even talk about (laughs) minors? Like, um, but with that said, I did that for my undergrad and then I was kind of in this place of really, really loving psychology and actually really interested in criminal psychology. I wanted to be a prison warden for a period of time. It was real, really, I know, I know from left Wow, your right. career <laughs> took a really wide swing then. No, it really <laughs> did. It did. And like during this time, I was also falling in love with health and fitness and nutrition for myself, right? This is where I was like creating my food Instagram account and like figuring out macros for the first time and strength training and all of this stuff and really started to think, you know, I could go this sort of like criminology, forensic science type of route, but that's something that pretty much everybody's interested in to some degree, right? That's why we have like NCIS for like 9 million seasons and like criminal minds. Honestly, no, not really. I was just really (laughs) interested in like in the criminal minds, right? Um, And I spent some time 
not to go like too far in this tangent, but I spent some time um, in prisons and jails and speaking to wardens and like really thought it was cool how they were able to make such a big impact in the lives of these people. And truly you were somewhat of like a mayor of a small city in those situations. I mean, cause there's like a doctor's office, there's a dentist's office, there's a cafeteria, you know, it's like everything inside this small little place. So anyway, I digress. I figured, you know, everybody's interested in this stuff, something that is more unique to me, and there's not like a global interest in it is this health and fitness stuff. And I was really starting to learn just how much it was positively impacting my life, whether it was my confidence, my like dedication to things, how I felt about myself, my self-esteem, things of that nature. Um, I was feeling strong and empowered by lifting weights in other areas of my life outside the weight room. And I really was like, why are more women not doing this? Why are more people not doing this? Like, why do we have this like obesity epidemic on our hands? And everybody knows they should eat healthy and exercise, but they don't. Um, so essentially I beelined and went that direction for grad school and really wanted to sort of answer that question as to like, why are people not doing this more? And how do we get people to do it more? Because it's not just an education issue. It's not just a, people don't understand what they're supposed to do. Like they know, they know, and they're still not doing it. Yep. I love so, Yes. Yeah. 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 So for um, my PhD, what I kind of wanted to dive into was answering that question, spend some time in like the world of health behavior change. And I actually didn't realize that there was like a science to mindset at all. Uh, but I stumbled across the mindset lab at NC State University and some of the work that they were doing there. And I applied to that program. I visited Raleigh. I loved it here. I loved my potential new advisor loved the work that they were doing and was like, all right, I guess we're diving into the world of mindset. So I kind of fell into mindset, honestly. And now it's literally like everything that I do. <laughs> so yeah. And you so. came at it like at a time where it's like, that is like exploding. Like you're coming out here with this expertise at the same time as everybody's all of a sudden, like it's the buzzword, but yeah. you, you have such a depth of understanding and actual knowledge and expertise that is not the buzzword, but everybody's a mindset coach these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is really interesting. It's like, because when I started my program, my PhD program was 2015. It was not that popular then, right? It was like, that was just like, oh yeah, your mindset, like whatever that means, you know, now it's like, like you were saying has exploded and 90% of people who say that they're health and fitness coaches also happen to be mindset coaches. And I'm like, where is this coming from guys? <laughs> like you- it's from the popularity of Carol Dweck's book, because I know like, I've like, when I was reading it for the first time, I was talking to a good friend of mine and he's a principal. And he's Mm. like, oh yes, we all had, like, everybody had to read that in my school. Like that was one of the books, like everybody, like we all had to talk about that. You know, that Mm -hmm. was like the it book for a bit. So I'm thinking like, maybe that's where it came from. It's very possible. I mean, that book is a New York Times bestseller. And when I tell people to read that book, I'm like, it's not a textbook. It's not dry. It's not boring. It's really good. good. It's so good. I read it completely once. And then like two or three other times, like in big chunks, like Mm -hmm. or more. Yeah. That's what I wanted to. Yeah. So, I mean, that's totally possible that that was kind of like Carol Dweck, like spearheaded the popularity of it um, for sure. And then I know, I mean, a lot of times we see it more so specifically like in schools with children, things like that, because that's kind of where it started. A lot of the research really like started in mindset work was with children and like, um, like your theories of intelligence and academics and things like that. Um, and then maybe it just kind of like started to crawl its way out into, into other areas. I, I know for sure, even when I went to my program, my PhD program in 2015, there was 
just a handful of studies related to like growth and fixed mindset when it comes to like fitness and exercise and nutrition behavior. So I was almost kind of the first one to really start to do a lot of that work. Like you said, there was just a handful of other researchers doing that as well. And now there's a ton more. I mean, I get like, I'm somehow linked to academia.com and I don't know how, but literally almost every single day I'm being told that like my papers are being cited. So like that tells me that the work is like continuing to go out there and people are doing more of it, which is awesome. So I do think mindset is just starting to like proliferate like other areas these yeah. days. Um, but yeah. Well, that's a good thing. That's a, that's, a, that's a fantastic thing. So the specific subject that Casey and I are going to chit chat about today is stress and self-control. And we're going to talk about this from a fitness perspective. I know those of you listening uh, into this podcast, that's what you're interested in. You know, we're weight loss, muscle gain, developing healthy habits, whatever is your jam. We're going to kind of come at this from those perspectives. In the course I just took with Casey, my favorite module by far, which is saying something because I love them all, was the module on stress and self-control. So often I hear from people some version of, I just don't have enough self-control. I don't have enough willpower. I had such a stressful day and therefore like I lost control of my eating. Like it's just ubiquitous. Um, so let's start by talking about willpower, self-control. What does the current research tell us about it? Yes. Yeah. So obviously we talked a little bit about this off air too. Um, it's interesting because it's definitely developed a lot where we started was that we thought self-control was sort of this limited resource that you only had so much to work with every day that essentially like you woke up in the morning, you had a bucket of self-control. And as you were using it throughout the day, you kind of lost a little bit from the bucket as you went on until you get to the end of the day. Now you're working with like this much self-control and like, tell me you're supposed to say no to like that second glass of wine or tell me you're supposed to say no to Netflix and go to bed on time, but you only have this much self-control left. Like that was that the original, right. like in two it feels right. Like that, that feels like my experience. I'm sure people are shaking their head. Like, yeah, that's how, yeah, we- that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it does, it feels right at face value. And you're like, no, I get it. Like when I'm stressed out or when I'm using a lot of self-control, it's like harder to continue going on. Um, and we had a ton of studies. I want to say like on the upwards of like 600 plus studies that showed that self-control is this limited resource, that it's this energy. It's like a muscle, which is great too, like from, for health and fitness purposes, you know, having the, oh, self-control is like a muscle metaphor analogy is really nice. because <laughs> It just fits so well. So sadly, the narrative has kind of like started to shift with self-control and it's less of us now thinking, I say us as if I'm like a hot shot, like self-control researcher. I am not, especially since I'm not even in um, academia anymore, but that said researchers have kind of determined that it's less about how much self-control you have and more about your mindset about it. So do you believe that like you just heard me talk about the fact that self-control is a limited resource. Are you shaking your head and like, yeah, that's, that's what it is. That's what it is for me. That's how I am. Or were you thinking to yourself, like, you know, like sometimes I exert a lot of self-control and I'm able to continue to exert self-control. So maybe this doesn't apply to me because that sort of like fixed versus growth feeling about self-control, like you believe it's a limited resource or you believe it's a, an abundant resource is what ultimately will make a difference and whether or not you can continue to exert self-control after you already have. So your mindset matters most here, which, you know, great news for me as like a mindset researcher and a mindset expert, um, because now I'm like, yep, I knew it all along, you know, mindset is what matters the most here. Um, but it's also interesting too, is there has been some recent work about 
just like people who see themselves as sort of like self-control pros, what the difference is between them and people who are like, no, I suck at self-control. Like what's going on here? Is, is that still like a limited resource thing? Like what's going on? And what the researchers have learned from that, I know there's at least one specific study. I'm not sure if there are more. And of course, and there's only one study for something you can only pull so much from it. But that said, in that study, what they realized was that the people who say like, yes, I'm a pro at self-control. I'm good at self-control. That's not something that's an issue for me are the same people who just didn't have to use self-control a lot in the first place. So they're putting themselves in the position in their environment, their social environment, whatever, where they're not having to exert self-control very frequently in the first place. So of course they're good at it. They rarely have to use it. Whereas the people are like, yep, self-control is my vice. You know, this is what I suck at the most. Those are the people who are exerting self-control a lot. They're feeling like they have to use it more frequently than the people who say that they're good at it. So again, it's like, it's not maybe not that you only have so much every single day. And it's not that some people are better at it than others. It's just your mindset and your environment that maybe plays the biggest role. So it's this two-pronged thing we're looking at. We're not thinking about it's like a muscle and we can train it and get stronger and you know grow the amount of self-control we have, but we're talking about improving our mindset around our ability to have self-control and also setting up our environment in a way that we're not constantly needing to rely on self-control. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And you know, I hate to like, I don't love that this is the direction that things have gone because <laughs> as like a mindset researcher going out and telling people like, Hey, just kidding. Maybe you can't like get stronger at self-control. You can't build up that muscle or whatever. It sucks because you want people to believe that they can, because if they believe that they can, then they will, you know, regardless of the actual like truth of the matter. Um, but that said, I think it's important to note that like from a mindset perspective, it can actually help cultivate a growth mindset around self-control. If you go to someone and say, Hey, she's not better than you. She's not more successful than you because she has more self-control. Like that does that. No, that's not the case. She probably just like has a better environment, has a more supportive husband, like whatever it may be, you know, that's why she's successful. And that's why her self-control is quote unquote better. So like being able to see it from that perspective. And I still think too, that sure, if we're going to say like, okay, your self-control doesn't get like depleted throughout the day. It's not the same. It's like a muscle type of effect, but I still think, and this is sort of like my professional opinion at this point, I still think that practicing self-control and being prepared for situations where you're going to have to exert self-control is still going to quote unquote, make you better at it. Right. So you can still increase your self-control capabilities in situations by way of a lot of different things. Like you're familiar with like, if then planning, right. Or tell everyone about that. (laughs) Tell everyone about it. Um, That's another one of my favorite things. I have made posts about this and I talk about it with my group, with my group members, because it's so powerful and it sounds really simple, but wow, it it works. And this is like part of manipulating that environment. Like Mm -hmm. tell everybody what are um, these, if then ideas. Yes. Yes. So if then planning, or as it's known sort of in the literature, the fancy scientific name is implementation intentions. And it is super simple. Like you were saying, like so simple that you're like, why would this ever actually do anything? Because we're truly just taking a situation and creating a, if this happens, then I will do that. You're like, okay, 
what's the next step? <laughs> like that's all there is to it. Um, and truthfully, if you're taking some time before, like we're talking about self-control before an event where you know that you're going to have to exert self-control and you really think to yourself like, okay, what's the situation going to look like? What are going to be my challenges, my barriers? Let's say you're, you're trying to eat healthy and you're going to a barbecue, right? Typically you'd go hang out by the food table and just kind of like snack and munch and talk to people. And then before you know it, you're like, oh my God, I probably just consumed 3000 calories in the last hour. And I'm not even like aware of it. So you know that that's going to happen. So if you go and stand next to the food table, then you're going to have one plate and fill it up with everything that you want, but you can only have that one plate, right? So it's like just having that plan beforehand. And why this works is not just because like, oh yeah, plan ahead, like that's great, but it's actually working at sort of like a neurological level in a way, because once you're now in that situation, we all know things get a lot harder to actually implement. It's like, you have the greatest intentions, but like once you're actually in the situation, it's a lot harder to like actually exert that self-control. But if you can work on this, like, okay, if this happens, then I'm going to do that. Being in that situation, suddenly that if then plan, that sort of plan B, the better plan that comes to mind a lot easier. It's just like more salient and easier to access in your brain because you spent time mapping it out beforehand. I mean, it's the same thing that like you know, military personnel, people in the army, like they're running all of these drills and practices and essentially preparing for what they would see on the battlefield in combat um, in order to make things quicker and easier once they're actually in those stressful situations. Because they know that sure, you can do it great a couple of times when you practice it, but once you're under that really strong pressure and that stress, and obviously this is like an extreme example, like the barbecue table should be the same thing as like um, <laughs> weapons, but <laughs> that's that it, it works the same way right it's like they're practicing so they're getting like to the point where it's just like so automatic and so easy to access in their brain and something that's just sort of like a automatic behavior that when they're in that situation it comes much easier to them and that's exactly what we're trying to do and plan and put that sort of plan in our brains using if then planning to be honest I'm sure the army use, uses if then planning in some capacity without even realizing it yeah yeah yeah. And you said like, okay, maybe that's an extreme example, but we've all done this in other areas in our lives. Like if you have kids, you've likely practiced with them. Like, okay, if there's a fire, what are we going to do? And like, I would do this with my kids when they were little, we'd go outside and be like, here's what yeah. we're going to meet. And, you know, or even in schools, like how many times have we had like tornado drills and fire drills, like all the time. And, you know, we do this so that we know what we're doing in the yeah. moment it's going to happen because we've practiced it. And it's the same mm -hmm. kind of thing. Same thing. It's the same exact kind of thing. So you're going to already have pre-practiced in your mind, like what's going to happen if they offer me the second drink and I was only planning on having one, like, what will I say? And how will I feel? And all these things. So then when it happens, like you're there, like you already know it, you're not thinking there's not that lag time. Exactly. Powerful stuff. Exactly. Yeah. It really does just kind of like, it's a good way of putting it. it like it takes the extra thought out of it. Like, yeah. Oh man, like, what do I do in this situation? I don't, I don't, uh, uh, and you probably just default to that, like unhealthy thing, habit, behavior that you're trying to push away because you haven't done the healthy thing enough yet to like have carved that new path in your brain. So truly like if then planning is sort of like the gateway to having like a healthy automatic behavior. Yeah. And so that those implementation intentions, that's one really good way that people can get better at setting up their environment in, in a better way. Then talk to us more about this mindset piece. Like, so we're saying like, Hey, if you believe that you have 
unlimited willpower, unlimited self-control, you will have it. Mm-hmm. What if a person's like, I don't really believe that right now. Like uh-huh. I'm not there yet. Like, what do I do? So a person's listening, mm-hmm. they're like, how can I get better at that? Yeah, that's a really good point because it's like, okay, well, if I have a fixed mindset about my self-control and I do believe that it's a limited resource, am I just screwed? And I would implore you if you're listening and you feel like that's you, do not have a fixed mindset about your fixed mindset (laughs) because now you're just like talking about a downward spiral here. So first and foremost, understand that like, even if that is how you're thinking and that's how you're feeling about self-control, you can change it. So it's not something that you're stuck with. With that said, I think the first sort of step is just to start to pay more attention. So when you're in situations and like, as you know, like the health mindset coaching certification, the very first thing we talk about is awareness, because if you aren't aware, if you're not paying attention, you're not gonna be able to change anything. Right. So if you're just sitting here like, oh, well, I have that mindset. So screw me, I guess. Um, Instead, start to think like, okay, now I'm aware that I have that mindset, like check the first box there. Now I'm going to go into my life and start to pay attention to where that actually starts to show up, like in my physical world. Right. So let's say, yeah, you're getting to the end of the day. You had a really stressful day. You feel like you were exerting self-control at like every other like corner that you turned throughout the day. And now all you want is that like second glass of wine, even though you've only planned for one in your macros, right? You're like, Oh, it was just the only thing. Like I just really need it. And typically you'd be like, okay, well, screw it. You know, there's actually something in the research too that called the what the hell effect in those situations where you're just like kind of screw it, especially if you've done something else in the earlier in the day, like you had a cookie when you weren't supposed to quote unquote or whatever. Um, But that said, you're in that situation. You're like, okay, this is what I would normally do. Like pay attention, grab yourself there. Easier said than done, but try to grab yourself in those situations right before you would essentially have a self-controlled failure, right? Um, and try to redirect your attention in any which way, even if it's just go drink 20 ounces of water first before you make a decision. Like you can still, you really, really think the glass of wine is like what you need in that situation. And that's the conclusion you come to fine, but give yourself the time and the space to make that decision deliberately and don't rely on that. Like, oh, well, my self-control is gone. And like, oh, you know, it's like, here I am at the end of the day per usual, like, this is how it works for me. Like break the cycle, drink some water, go for a quick walk, do something just to get yourself away from your typical habit and behavior. And this is really important too, just from any sort of like habit breaking standpoint is like, we just want to like get in the way of that cycle, right? So like, now that you're aware that this is the way that you think about things, start to see and pay attention to how it shows up. You don't even necessarily need to make any changes yet. Just start to pay attention and see where it shows up and see how it affects you. Oh, there it is. Like I'm totally doing it right now. Like just noticing of it is really useful because then you can talk back to those thoughts. You could even be like, oh wait, this is exactly what Casey was talking about. (laughs) I'm having that fixed mindset about this. Like, hey, like I wonder if I really could have more self-control. And even if like you don't follow through in that moment, like just starting Mm -hmm. to catch yourself all the time with these things. Absolutely. Even if you still have the glass of wine and you're like, okay, well I saw it, but I don't care. I'm going to have a glass of wine. That's still a step forward. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, one of the things that, you know, I've talked about with the members of my group that we've been talking since I've been in your, in your course, we've been talking about this concept of neuroplasticity. And it's such a cool thing that our brain is always making connections. We're either making connections or breaking connections all the time. And so just like having that confidence of like, all right, if that's the case, like I can keep making these more positive connections and I can keep trying at this and practicing at this and practicing that awareness, which is 
so key. And over time, like I can strengthen these connections. Like how cool right. is our brain? I know. And neuroplasticity is the coolest thing, not just because like, oh my God, your brain is changing all the time. This is another thing for the longest time researchers thought that our brains didn't continue to change after a certain age, right? So neuroplasticity and this idea that your brain is changing, making new connections, like pairing back old connections, like that's a relatively new idea, like thought phenomenon, right? So it is really cool that your brain is constantly changing, but it's also really cool because it is like the perfect demonstration of like fixed mindset thinking, right? Like if your brain can change, like why the hell do you think that you can change, right? Yeah. Like it is like, like point blank, you can change. Like your brain can literally do it. Like, tell me why you can't. Yeah. So it's actually funny you bring that up too, because even in some of the interventions and the studies that I did while I was still practicing research in this stuff is we would use the concept of neuroplasticity and teach it to people in order to actually shift their mindset towards growth. Because it's that whole idea of if your brain can change, then of course you can too. And it is relatively new information for some people. And to be honest, sometimes that could be all it takes. Like once you realize like, whoa, like I can change my brain, I can change the connections in my brain and like which like pathway I take, like depending on like my behaviors and my actions and my experiences, like, whoa, I have so much more control. And I actually do believe that I can change now because of it. Right. Um, obviously that's like the best case scenarios of that happening, but that idea of like including some kind of like brain science, which is exactly why I include it in HMCC for you to teach to your clients, including that sort of brain science is a tried and true evidence-based practice for helping, helping cultivate a growth mindset. Yeah, because it is really a mind-blowing thing for people to realize that because we think of our brain like it is what it is, and that's, yeah. that's where it's at, and I guess I'll work with what's there, but knowing that you actually have the power to change it, like- Powerful stuff. You are in control. Okay, mm -hmm. so now let's talk about stress and the interplay between stress and self-control. So does stress reduce self-control? Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. The way that I like to describe stress and self-control is that stress is essentially like the enemy of self-control. Like they're not friends, stress and self-control. They're not friends. Um, the issue here is again, we're kind of like going back to somewhat of like neuroscience land and I'm not a neuroscientist. So don't ask me to go too far in depth into this. My husband but from, is, but he's not here. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> Can't he come join us? No. Um, but, but we know that, okay, stress and self-control, they're not friends, they're actually enemies. And we can see this from like a neuroscientific perspective, because when you're trying to exert self-control, you're trying to make those deliberate decisions in the moment and like pay strong attention to something, all of that, that those sorts of actions and that sort of thinking lives inside your prefrontal cortex, which is like that big lobe directly behind your brain. And in stressful situations, we tend to rely on like emotional decision-making or habitual or automatic actions. And that sort of lives in our like midbrain region. So totally different regions of the brain. So the issue is you can't necessarily be putting energy into both things at the same time. So if you're really stressed out and you're in the moment, like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling like anxious and stressed or like, I don't, I don't know what to do or whatever it may be. You're essentially diverting energy away from your prefrontal cortex where self-control lives 
and instead using that energy for things like emotional decisions, automatic decisions, things of that nature. So it becomes really hard to be stressed out and also exercise self-control at the same time. So being able to, again, be aware and understand when you're in a situation of like stress and maybe you're trying to make a decision about something, especially if it's related to like your health and fitness goals and things like that. Understanding this information, number one, can be really helpful. And just knowing that like, okay, this is where my brain is at. This is what's happening. I need to like get myself to calm down for a second, take some deep breaths. Again, like this is where I go for a walk. Like just take a second for yourself. So you can try to bring yourself back into sort of a parasympathetic state. So this is sort of like your, people call it like your rest and digest um, nervous system response. It can also be called the pause and plan response for this very reason. So bring like yourself back to this like very like low stress, relaxed state and as much as possible can help you actually access your self-control better. Yeah. And okay. So if a person is like, all right, I hear what you're saying, <laughs> but I still like, okay, so I've got these two different operating systems and I recognize like, I should probably be trying to use the other one. All right, I'm going to go out and take a, take a walk. How can their mindset literally about this impact what they're able to do? Like, how does one's mindset about stress impact how they manage their stress? Yeah, that's a, that's a really big one because again, very similar to self-control, like your mindset about stress will ultimately make a decision in how you respond to it. Stress in and of itself is just like 110% perceived. And I know people will argue with me, like, you know what, like car accidents, those are stressful. You can't tell me that that's like a perceived thing, but I can also tell you that two people can be in the exact same car accident and one person could be losing their shit and the other person could be calm, collected. What's the next step? What do we need to do? How do we handle this? Let's exchange insurance. It, it totally depends on honestly your mindset in that situation, like how you're going to handle it. So understanding too, like there's a lot of research around like stress being enhancing versus debilitating. That's kind of how it's described and how that in and of itself can make a difference in things like your cortisol levels. So like your main primary stress hormone, like we see how your mindset literally impacts your physiology, which is nuts, right? If anyone tries to argue that the mind and the body are not connected, like this is like the biggest argument as to how they are, right? So with that said, how you perceive stress, whether it doesn't necessarily have to be like, oh, stress is the best thing ever always, <laughs> I but <love> it. <laughs> if you can see it as maybe just sort of um, more so of like a welcome challenge, something that you can work through that like you're, you're up to the challenge and you know that you can figure it out. You just have to like figure out the best strategy or find the right resources, whatever. If you can see it with sort of that lens, much more of like a growth mindset way of seeing things, you're going to be so much better off, not only physiologically and like how you physically respond in your hormones, but also how that situation actually ends up. Versus if you're someone who sees stress as just like, it's always this bad thing. It always screws me up. I it, like interferes with my relationships, my productivity, like all of these things. And that's you have this fixed mindset that stress equals bad all the time. And it just screws you up. Like that's, what's going to happen in those situations. Right. So ultimately you have a lot of control over stress and how it shows up in your life. Yeah. And even down to things like how you look at what's physically happening in your body. So if you're like public getting ready to like speak on stage mm -hmm. or, you know, do a presentation at work and you've got like your heart racing and your sweaty palm kind of thing, even just saying to yourself, like, I'm really excited. Like 
I'm clearly, I'm like really excited that I'm getting finally get to do this. Yeah. Be really powerful versus like, holy crap, I'm scared. (laughs) Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And like, kind of like think those, that's a really good example. Like whether it's public speaking, things like that, because most people are a little Mm -hmm. bit like nervous going into situations like that. Your palms get sweaty, your heart rate picks up. You feel like there's a little bit of shakiness in your voice. Like you have all these like very clear physical symptoms that are honestly like stress symptoms, anxiety symptoms, whatever. But if you can sit there and be like, yo, this is my body (laughs) doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's literally preparing me to go into this challenge. And it's having like a reaction toward it that can honestly help you reduce some of those physical symptoms you're like oh like my heart rate's picking up like you said you can reframe it to like all right I'm getting excited my body's ready to go like like, let's do this type of thing and that can not only help you like perform better in that situation but just like reduce some of those negative symptoms that come along with that stressful anxiety producing type of event yeah yeah absolutely so when you're stressed, what are your go-tos to like kind of, because obviously like we're trying to talk about like, how can we improve our mindset around stress? Mm-hmm. But of course, we also want to help people to like reduce their stress because none of us yeah. should be, nor is it productive for us to constantly like trying to hum along at high levels of stress. And so what are some of your go-tos for yourself and your clients as far as reducing stress? Yeah. Yeah. For me, I mean, I mean, first and foremost, please just like sleep more. <laughs> like, I love that. <laughs> when people ask me, they're like, Oh, what's your, like your greatest stress relief. And I'm like, uh, sleep. <laughs> like I make sure I'm getting enough sleep. Yeah. Cause ultimately like if you're stressed out and also underslept, like good luck, you know, at least you can like get some sleep if you're stressed out. Right. So sleep is really, really helpful there. Um, but on like the flip side of things, maybe more on like the psychological side of things, things that I like to kind of like say to myself too, in moments where I'm like feeling really overwhelmed, or there's just like a lot on my plate, things like that. You're reminding yourself that it's temporary, right? Those situations of like, oh, whether it's you're getting on stage to do that public speaking thing, you have a big project up for a review, you're potentially getting a promotion, like you are feeling anxious because you haven't lost enough weight yet, whatever it is, just like remind yourself like this feeling right now is temporary. It doesn't need to stay around. Also just reminding yourself as well, that like thoughts can be just thoughts you know you can have those feelings of like oh this doesn't feel good I'm feeling stressed I'm feeling anxious whatever it's like it can just be that you can just feel that and be like all right like that's the fact of the matter that's the state that I'm currently in and just accept it and move on you know like it's like this big thing that I feel like is not talked about enough it's like all of these different ways that you need to oh you should journal or you should meditate or you should do all these things or you could just like sit with the thoughts for a second and be like okay this is what I'm experiencing as a human being and then continue on, you know, you can just let them go. Notice it. Like it's a thought I'm having the thought. Um, it doesn't need to be anything more. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't need to dictate like everything you do after and everything you feel after you can just like notice that it's there. Exactly. Yeah. So I think just like, those are quick, like little things that I know have worked really well for, for clients that I've shared with have worked well for me. I still actively use is like understanding that things are temporary, like nothing's going to last that long. So it's almost like, what's the point of using your energy on something that's only temporary. Right. And kind of like bring, take your power back in that situation where it's like, I'm going to let this stuff like ruin my day make me feel this way. It's just like this temporary feeling. Right. Um, or, you know, spending some time just to think that, yeah, I can have these thoughts and I can feel this way. It doesn't have to mean anything. And I can just move on from here. Those are some really good ones. So get more sleep. Love that. <laughs> Notice that these things are temporary and know that you, you can just have thoughts and it doesn't have to be anything more. Love those three. The other one yeah. I'll add that really helps me. And I think helps most people is going outside. 
Like, yes. Like switch that environment and be in nature, 100%. whether the nature is like a park in the middle of your city or your backyard, or you really get to go somewhere cool. Just being outside can help no matter what kind of stressful situation is going on. Absolutely. And we do have research on that too. It's like even just, they call it green exercise. So whether you're going yes. for a walk, you're stretching outside, like whatever you're doing outside, even just five minutes of that is enough to start to like improve your mood, which is wild. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely hold I've on to that one. I've been some papers on that. I'm trying to remember the word that they were using. Was it like green bathing, outside bathing? Green bathing. Nature, nature bathing, something with the word bathing. And they had all these like different studies. And I was like, I just was like, this is like, cause it's my lived experience, right? Yeah. I tell people, I was like, this is really cool that there's actually research yes. to back this up. Like whether you're actually exercising outside or not might not even be the key, uh-huh. just be like walking or just being outside. So can really right. Well, this is a fantastic <laughs> conversation, uh, Casey. Before we go, I always like to talk to the women that are on the show with me about like their own fitness pursuits because, you know, I think it's inspiring for other people to hear like, what are you yeah. doing? That's cool. So like, what's on your mind? What are you doing in the gym these days or on the track or wherever you like to work out? What kind of training do you do and what are you loving? Yeah, oh, that's awesome. That's a great question. I never get asked these fun questions. <laughs> but right now is actually an interesting time because I've actually spent the last like 10 to 12 months just maintaining and living sort of in maintenance land and kind of loosely tracking macros, still training hard because I, and I mostly strength trade. I say mostly, I 99% of the time you'll find me strength training with a little bit of supplementary cardio here and there um, and those outdoor walks. Yes. Yeah. But with that said, um, in the last just like two weeks or so, I was kind of like, you know what, I'm ready to like reel it in a little bit, buckle down, maybe have a little bit more of like a strict goal for a short period of time. So I'm actually currently in a fat loss phase. Um, I don't know how long I'm going to do it for. I may be like, eh, you know, whatever. Cause I am truly, and this is where I think a lot of people should like strive to get to get to a place of just like kind of neutrality. Like I love my body. I'm content with my body. If I look like this for the rest of my life, that'd be perfectly fine. But you know, going through a diet would be kind of fun. See a little bit of extra muscle definition. There's some like events coming up where I'm going to be in swimsuits a lot and stuff like that. So like, Hey, why not? Let's, let's do it. You know, but ultimately I'm not super tied to an outcome, not super tied to like a specific body weight, anything like that. Just honestly kind of doing it for fun and also to document for other people to learn from. Yeah. 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 <laughs> What's your favorite lift? Hmm. That's hard. I'm like, do I want to go upper body route or lower body? (laughs) You can tell us one of each. (laughs) I think probably honestly, all all two birds with one stone type of situation, deadlifts. I think whether it is just like a conventional deadlift, a, um, like a hex bar deadlift, or honestly, like even like a Romanian deadlift, like that's a little bit more legs than back, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I think that forms of deadlifts are honestly my favorite. They make you feel super badass (laughs) and they're awesome for you. (laughs) Those are always right up at the top for me for that exact reason. Like you want to feel just super cool, rip some heavy weight off the floor, ladies. (laughs) Yep, exactly. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So I spend most of my social media time on Instagram. So I'm Coach Casey Joe over there. Um, I'm trying to get into the world of TikTok. I'm actually documenting a good bit of like this fat loss phase on TikTok specifically. So my username is the same thing over there. It's Coach Casey Joe, and that's Coach with a C, but Casey with a K and Joe without an E. Um, (laughs) if If you are interested in any of my programs, workshops, 
the health mindset coaching certification we've talked about a bunch on here. You can find more information on my website and that's just kjocoaching.com. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I hope you found it motivational, inspirational, educational, organizational. If you did find value in this episode today, it would mean a great deal to me if you would leave a rating and review on whatever podcasting platform you are listening to this episode on. It really does help to get this podcast in front of other people. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you.